Thank you so much, Nate and the whole team this weekend, uh, leading us in just worshiping the King by bowing our hearts before Him uh, as our King through music. Well, my name is Tim Griesbach, and I get to be one of our pastors here at Crossroads Church, which is such a privilege. Even in times like this, like it's like, man, I'm just so thankful that I get to spend as much of my time as possible in loving you and in loving people in our communities and in doing my very best to constantly just direct our attention back to Jesus, who is the one who saves. Well, if this is when you're tuning in, which I assume it is, because how else can you hear my voice? Uh, you are tuning in for week two of a two-part sermon series. And so it's on vision and a big dream that we believe that God has given us here at Crossroads Church. And so if you missed last week, you definitely want to go and check that out and hear what Pastor Matt said as he really just led us through and shared with us this dream that we've been kind of receiving from God and working on fleshing out for many, many months now. And the real short picture of that dream is this. It's expanding our kingdom impact in our communities and beyond by being a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church focused on discipling the next generation, our kids and our grandkids. And if you remember, he kind of walked through that process, right? He started us off in Proverbs chapter 29, just reminding us of the truth that like without vision, without dream, people don't thrive. And so we've been asking God for a long season, Lord, would you just give us a fresh vision, a fresh dream of what you want to do in us and what you want to do with us and through us for the sake of your kingdom in our communities and in our church. And if you recall, if you watched that, he talked about these kind of different strategies that we would have, these different key markers in terms of like how we're actually putting that into practice by living out a 4D lifestyle of getting to know people in our lives and getting to know our neighbors and letting them get to know us by reaching out into the digital world because that's not going away, right? And, And connecting with people there in a meaningful way. Not just connecting them to crossroads though, but connecting them ultimately to Jesus, seeing hopefully what we want is 1,500 people to find Jesus and proclaim that he is their Lord and Savior over the next five years. And we also don't want to land them just there, right? We want every person attached to Crossroads Church to then be in a path of discipleship where they're not only being taught how to follow Jesus, but they're actively helping to teach others, like disciples making disciples. And that this is kind of the snapshot of this big dream that we've received from God, and we're both excited and honestly, a lot of us a little bit scared, right? Because it's the kind of dream that if God doesn't actively bring it about, like we just don't have any shot at fulfilling this thing on our own. And so we've placed ourselves really in a position to say, okay, God, you're going to have to make this happen. You're going to have to see this through. You're going to have to do something supernatural, And we trust that you will, and we trust you, and we want to follow you to that end. Well, man, it's interesting to me that God speaks to his people through dreams and through visions. I mean, we see it all throughout Scripture. And as we look at the world even today, in all kinds of parts of the world, God is still speaking to people. He's meeting with them in these distinct moments. 
And for some of you, I bet you're kind of like, you know, that's a little bit weird. I'm sure some of you may think like, yeah, I've had those kind of experiences. Like, and it's kind of weird. It's, it's intense and it's exciting, but crazy at the same time. And like in my life, I've had, I think, three or four different experiences where I've had a dream where it was like, wow, okay, God, that was not just the pepperoni pizza talking from last night. Like, you were up to something there. And would you help me understand? Because I just don't want to miss out on, on what you're revealing to me. I, I want to be connected to you. I want to follow you well in what you've got planned and what you're doing. And, and so two years ago, we were at a church convention up in the mountains in Breckenridge. And I had one of these dreams, but it was so bizarre. And it's really shaped a lot of kind of my eye-openness in the last couple of years. And I want to share that dream with you just in short form. Uh, we were there in Breckenridge, and, and so uh, we were serving within this church conference and playing music and doing all kinds of stuff. And so when I went to bed that night, um, I, I fell asleep, and I had this dream. And in this dream, it was nighttime. And I was outside, and I, I looked and I saw this shed off just a little ways from me. And I, I, I could see cracks in actually the walls of the shed because there was a fire inside the shed. It was a pretty small fire. And I kind of looked at it and thought, that's weird that there's a fire in a shed. And so I walked over to kind of take a closer look. And I saw that it was a pretty wimpy little fire, just barely hanging on inside the shed. And so I walked up and I opened the front door of the shed. And as I opened the front door, this wind like rushed in through the back of the shed. All the smoke poured out of the front of the shed. Like the fire just went crazy and filled the whole shed. So like the whole shed is now on fire and burning. But weirdly enough, it wasn't like being consumed. It wasn't falling apart. It was still intact. It was just like totally filled with fire. And then as I saw the smoke and heard the wind kind of whipping out of the shed, I heard this just thunderous sound behind me. And so I kind of turned and looked behind me and saw all of this wind whipping up into a huge tornado that was just barreling down on me like 30 feet away. And in that moment of my dream, I kind of looked at it and was like, what is happening? And so I fell backwards to try to escape, sort of. And I like reached out and I cried out. You know how when you cry out in a dream, sometimes it's really unpleasant. It's not like a manly cry, like, Ugh. it's always like this, Ugh. you know, and like that's totally what happened. I just sort of like fell back and cried. And as I cried, I woke up and was like reaching up and crying out. And then I was like up for hours. So I'm thinking, okay, God, what? was that. It was one of those dreams where like as it was happening, inside the dream I knew that it was a dream and that there were things that were obviously symbolic. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but it was like as I was in the dream itself and as I saw this shed, I knew like, oh, that, that, shed, is, that shed is like a symbol for the church. Not just like Crossroads Church, but like God's church, his, his people here in America specifically, but like his church. And the fire was obviously, in my dream, right? obviously a symbol of the passion of the people of God and that the, the wind moving through and in the tornado was a symbol of the Spirit. And so over the next two days, I really just spent a lot of time going, okay, God, that's sort of a weird, crazy dream. Would you help me understand? Because I don't, I don't want to make a big deal about stuff like that, but I do want to understand if God is talking to me all the time, whether it's through his word or, or whether it's through his Spirit, real personally. And so I, after the, those two days of just talking with him, it became really clear that this was kind of what he was letting me in on. He said, Tim, I am about to do something. And it's going to be outside the church. And it's going to be good 
for the passion of my people. Now, it's going to be really scary, but you can trust me because I'm good. It's going to be me moving. And so for the last two years, I've just been kind of like walking around going, okay, God, where are you going? What are you doing? What are you moving? Like whatever you're up to, I just want to be a part of it. Like I love to work with you. I love to join you in what you're doing, God. And so I just kind of kept my eyes open constantly. Like what are you up to? Where can I be involved? And that idea of it being outside the church, I just couldn't shake it. So I'm constantly like looking for opportunities outside the church. Like what does it mean for us, Lord, to be outside the church in a way that's joining with you and the movement of your spirit in our communities maybe or in our neighborhoods? Like what does that look like? So then we hit March. And all of a sudden, all of these churches across our country suddenly close and all of the church people, I mean the church is not just like the building, right? The church is the gathering of the people. They're now outside the buildings. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, God is, are, is this the time? Like, are you, is this when you're going to do something? Are you moving? Are you actively leading us in something exciting? And so while I know that this season has been really scary for some, it's been confusing for others, and for a lot of us, it's been really just infuriating as we're looking at all these inconsistencies and everything. There's a huge part of me that even in the midst of it is just kind of excited because I can't help but think that God has got a big plan for right now. Like, we have an opportunity right now to join in God's plan, in Him moving, whatever that looks like here in our communities. And so at the same time, God's equipped us with this new dream, this new vision of expanding our kingdom impact, right? Both in our communities and outside of our communities by being a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. Like we want to look like our neighborhoods. And we want to be focused on discipling the next generation, our kids and our grandkids, right? Like, we, like this is personal for us. And so as last week, Matt kind of looked at the real big picture for what this dream looks like for our church and kind of invited us into dreaming big alongside him and alongside us as the leaders here at Crossroads Church. This weekend, I want to spend time just focusing in, focusing in specifically on the weekend gathering. Now, like I said before, the church— like even for the, the word that we use now for church, it comes from ecclesia and, and, and like its roots really have nothing to do with the building as much as it has to do with the gathering of people. And so like right now, you are participating in an aspect of that weekend gathering. And historically for centuries, for like since the church began basically, the people of God have been gathering together on weekends very often, but weekly in a kind of a rhythm to get together to do something, to meet with God, to encourage each other, to a lot of times they're singing songs. Almost always there's reading of scripture, like we're asking God to lead us. And so I want us to take a look at what this big dream means for Crossroads Church, specifically as it relates to the weekend service. And so to that end, I'm going to ask two important questions. The first question is, what is the main purpose of our weekend gathering? Like if we had to boil it down to its most fundamental thing that we're after, like what is it that we're truly after? What is the main purpose? I mean, there's a lot of effects of the weekend gathering when people get together, especially the people of God get together. But what is the main purpose 
of the gathering of the people of God. And then the second question is, does the style of these services matter? Or to what degree does the style, you know the style, I mean by the style, like the kind of music we play. Not that we're singing songs, but like what kinds of songs are we singing? Or what kind of preaching is happening within that context? Not saying like the content, obviously it has to be scriptural, but like the delivery aspect. Or like how does any of that, the style that that takes, does that matter? And so as we look at those two questions, I think, that we're going to find in it a challenge for us. And I think if I'm, if I'm anticipating correctly, some of, for some of us, this is going to be a challenge that we maybe haven't experienced before. And so I'm excited to invite you into something uh, that I think is just awesome and uh, totally worth giving ourselves to. So let's take a look at that by asking again that first question. What is the main purpose of our weekend gatherings? As we've been reading through the Bible this year, I don't know if you remember that, Pastor Matt, all the way back, I mean, like January probably feels like 10 years ago for some of you guys, right? Like this has been a weird 2020. But at the beginning of this year, we started reading the Bible together. I know there's a handful of you that are like, yes, we're still trying to keep up. And some people are like, yeah, I kind of read a little bit here, here and there where I can. Well, earlier this year when we were reading the Bible, we were in 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel chapter 3 specifically really caught my attention in a unique kind of way. You know, you've got Samuel's just this boy at this point. And uh, he really is like a miracle child. And he's living at the temple and he's being taken care of by the priest, Eli, at that time. So the priest is the one who's mediating the relationship between God and his people and the sacrifices and all that. And so he's kind of training up Samuel and partaking in some of that process. And so there's this description of Samuel. It's really short, but I haven't been able to just drop it and leave it. And I want to share it with you. 1 Samuel chapter 3, just the first half of verse 1. And it says this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Samuel was ministering to the Lord. I've been involved in ministry almost my entire life. And for almost my entire life, I can say that I've never really thought of ministering happening towards God. Like, in my experience, ministry is something that I do for other people. Like, if you come to a church service, I'll minister to you, or I can meet with you throughout the week, and I can encourage you and uplift you. I can pray for you. Like, I'll minister to you. And here we see Samuel was ministering to the Lord. And so Pastor Brad and I just got into some conversations saying, what does that look like to minister to the Lord? Because like, I love Samuel. His story is incredible. He just hears from God and he, he speaks with God and, and like he speaks for God to the people and encourages them and challenges them, rebukes them, all kinds of stuff. Like, he walks with God very clearly. I'm like, man, I want my life to look like Samuel. So I want to know what it means to minister to the Lord. Because I don't normally think of God as being one who needs ministry, right? Like, he's all sufficient. He didn't make us. He didn't create us so that we would then, like, serve him in this kind of, like, okay, let me bring you the stuff that you want or, like, take care of this creation in terms of keeping it clean and tidy and neat and orderly, like, no, he made us in order to be in relationship with himself. 
and to reflect his image within his creation. So then I, again, I'm like, what does this ministry look like? And then I realized, like, while God doesn't need our ministering to him, he absolutely, without a doubt, delights in our ministering to him. In our prioritizing him in our hearts. In our bowing our hearts before him as king. As proclaiming just how great he is. Like he delights in that. He loves that. In the same kind of way that like if, you, if you've got kids, I'm sure at some point they, they may have drawn a picture of you and like brought it to you and you receive this picture and you go, oh. You know, and part of your mind could go the route of like, Oh, kid, you have such a long ways to go. My gosh. Look at this. Like, the composition is just terrible. The color choices are so, like, primitive. Gee, well, look at this. It's just like blue and red. That's it. Like, what are you doing, kid? That's not how any of you respond, right? And if you do, you should contact our counseling center. Like, how you respond in that moment is you get this gift from your kid and you go, Oh, my goodness, thank you so much. And it goes on the fridge. Right? Like you post that, you put it on display because it's an expression of your child's affection for you. Now, Christy and I, we don't have any kids yet at this point in our lives. And so we kind of joke around about the fact that we sort of think about all of the kids at Crossroads as some sort of distant form of being like our kids. Now, I know it's totally not fair, right? Because like we never have to take them home at the end of the day. We only get the best parts really in terms of interacting with them and loving them and at times experiencing their love in return. So it's, I know it's not equitable in that sense. But there's been times where we've received expressions of affection from some of the younger folks here at Crossroads. And one of those actually, for me, took place like five years ago or so in the form of a drawing. Now there's a family that would come to the Thornton location here on Saturday evenings and they would sit like right down here and they would have their kids with them. And their son, Noah, this is the Crosby family, the son, Noah, would just like sometimes draw pictures of the preachers as we're preaching and then he'd give them to us. And so check this out. This is the picture that he drew of me that night. And he gave this to me. And I was just sort of blown away on some level because like, wow, you're, you actually care enough to draw a picture of me? This is incredible. And second, like check out that hair. I kind of wish I had actual hair. Like if I could reach into cartoon land and grab that hair and put that hair on me, like that would be awesome. Like this kid's perspective of my hair was clearly um, just sort of in fantasy land, right? But anyways, I received this picture and I just thought, wow, this is awesome. Like what a kind thing to do. Like I'm keeping that. And I think in the same way that we have the opportunity when we approach the weekend gathering to not just sing songs and listen to a sermon, but like we have an opportunity to minister to the heart of the king. To offer up our own expressions of affection toward him by saying, you're just the best. You're so great. And bragging about what he's done, about who he is, about what he's promised to do and how much we trust that he is absolutely going to bring it about. If, and if, if you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, man, that's a lot to get off of this one little verse in 1 Samuel. Like, I want to extend it to all of us here. I want you to see some of what I see when I then go and take some of the context there and go all the way to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because here we begin to see this language used about us, the people of God, to take on the form of like priests, 
That instead of just having this one individual that we have to go to in order to mediate this relationship, we each have the ability, because the Holy Spirit's in us, to connect with God and to bring God into the lives of other people. So check this out. I'm going to read verses 5, 9, and 10. He says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And as those who have were once in darkness, like lost, but have now been rescued and found and brought into the light, have the opportunity to minister to the heart of God by pointing to him and proclaiming his excellencies and saying, he's great, He's the best. Hey, have you seen my God? He's just incredible. Like there's no one like him. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's like. That we get to draw attention to the king and how he has rescued us and saved us. And I think as we start to wrap our heads around that first, the answer to that first question there, that we'll begin to make sense of the second question. Because if you really see yourself, when you come to the weekend service as a minister to the heart of God, then when you ask the question, well, does the style matter? You're going to begin to think like, okay, well, does it matter for who? First, I think you probably should go like, well, does it matter to God? Does God, does God have a desire for the style? Not just the content, right? He wants worship in spirit and in truth. We know that. But like, does he care if it's done in the form of hymns or if it's done in the form of hip-hop or if it's done in the form of country music or if it's done in the form of bluegrass or if it's done in the form of rock and roll or like does he care about the preaching style right if it's real liturgical does that does he like that better or does he like it when it's real rambunctious and kind of all over the place like does he have a preference and when i look through scripture i don't actually see anywhere where god says my preferred my preferred style for worship just so you know, take some notes, is, and then lays it out. Instead, he lets us, using both the spoken and the musical language of our culture, take his word and use it to praise him and to proclaim his excellencies. So in light of that, knowing that God cares deeply about reaching into the darkness and finding those who are lost and making them his own, I think then that it only follows that if we say, well, does the style matter? We would say, well, yes. And to what end does it matter? We would say, well, we want to make sure that we're still actually speaking the spoken and musical language of our culture. Right? We want to be able to praise God in such a way that if people encounter it, they know what's happening. And I'll show you this based off of a principle here in 
1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now this, this whole section is kind of dealing with some other stuff, and we've talked about it a lot, actually fairly recently, about tongues and prophecy and stuff. But I want to just dig into a principle here, because I think you're going to see that there's some beauty and that it matters for how we approach this weekend gathering as ministers to the hearts of, heart of God. So in verse 23 and following, it says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. I see in this short little few verses this principle that there seems to be a way that the people of God can gather that results in people outside the faith coming in and going, y'all are crazy. I have no idea what you're up to. And it seems that there is a way for the people of God to gather such that those who are outside, when they come in, they experience something that results in them falling on their face and declaring, surely God is here. And if I have any influence at all over what kind of a church Crossroads Church is going to be, I'm going to pick that latter one. Like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that we are the kind of church that when outside people come in, that we're not getting in the way unnecessarily from them seeing the excellencies of God proclaimed in hopes that God will do the thing that only he can do. He can turn the hearts. He can find the lost and make them his own. And that we can play a role in that by being the kind of church where when they come, they can see him. And I know that for some of this, this is uncomfortable. Right? Because it's like, wow, but there's certain styles that are just more familiar to me. Like, and I'll be honest, I have those styles. Like when I look back to some of my 90s experience of, of just loving Jesus so much, and it's hard for me at times to go, okay, so that, that music isn't, isn't like the kind of music that maybe my neighbor is going to connect to. And so I'm still going to listen to that music or play that music on my own. But man, like when I invite my neighbor here, I want him to have the kind of experience that's spoken and musically is something intelligible. So that he isn't being put off unnecessarily, but instead can see the truth of God through his word, through the sacrifice, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, that he can look to that and go, wow. If this is all true, then God is surely here. And that my neighbor can be saved. And it's not just our neighbors, right? Remember our vision. It's the next generation. It's, it's our kids and our grandkids. I don't even know how many conversations I've had with some of you who have been in the faith for decades. And while I'll ask you, how can I be praying for you? You'll respond with some form of, man, you know, my son, he, he's just not following Jesus. And I just so desperately want him to follow Jesus. Or my daughter, she's, she's just kind of going this route that is, it's not leading to Jesus. And I know that her soul will be only satisfied with him. So would you please pray that she'll find Jesus. And some of you just have loads of grandkids. 
And you're like, my only prayer is that they would find Jesus. And so my desire is that this church will be the kind of church where your kids and your grandkids can come and look and see the excellencies of our God put on display in a way that makes sense. That they will take a hold of it and say, I want to follow this God. I want to be his. Tell me what that actually looks like. How do I sign up for being his? And so as I'm in kind of wrapping this up, I just want to invite you, practically speaking, because it has to start with us. It really does. Like, I want to invite you to start viewing yourself as a minister to the heart of God. And that the way I want you to do that is really simple. Like, when you come to the weekend gatherings, whether it's digitally like this, or you're coming to one of our outdoor services, before you get there, ask the question, how might I minister to your heart today, Lord? Like, maybe on your drive into the church building so that you're going to go to the outdoor service, right? Be still for just a moment and say, okay, Lord, how might I be a minister to your heart today? Or if you're at home and you're just kind of like rolling out of bed and crawling to the sofa so that you can turn on the service on your phone, like before you actually connect, just pause for a moment and say, how might I be a servant, be a minister to your heart today, Lord? I just have this dream, this deep desire to see this church as a place that is filled to the brim with people ministering to the heart of our King. People crying out to him about how good he is. People really don't care what they look like because they're like, it's not for them anyways. Like right now, I'm just focused on the King because I believe that when your kids and your grandkids show up and they see a whole group of people, when they see a group of people online just absolutely, without a doubt, committed to being his and to proclaiming his goodness, I believe that then that moment, God is going to do what only he can do in opening the eyes, in turning the hearts, in calling the lost, and in making them his very own. I'm so excited at the thought that we don't have to miss out on what God is up to right now because he's moving. You can see it. You can hear it in the stories where people are just suddenly turning their hearts to love him, to need him. And so I want to invite you to join us in making that happen here. Maybe it'll be a little uncomfortable at times, right? Like I remember six years ago sitting at a table of some of the leaders in a production meeting and I asked the question like, so like what would we do if the future generation wants to worship through dubstep music? You know, that's that really obnoxious, like weird kind of house dancey, like crazy music. And I asked the question because I thought, you know, on some level, it's something fun for us to joke about. And at the same time, I think to myself, man, if the next generation wants to worship the King of Kings through dubstep, like I'm going to learn how to play some dubstep. I don't care what it takes because I get the privilege of being one of the found. <laughs> I'm already his. And I want to do anything that I can to contribute towards others being brought in 
out of darkness into light to see just how good this God of ours is. And so I, join, I ask you to join me in this attempt to minister to the heart of God when we gather for the weekends. So let's pray and ask him to do this thing that for us is probably impossible, but with him nothing is impossible. So Father, we do ask you, we ask you, Lord, that you would intervene in our hearts. We ask you that you would break us out of our desire to be just comfortable or familiar. But would you give us a heart like your own heart? Lord, that when you look at those who are lost, you are never indifferent. Not even for a moment. You care so much for them and long for them to find you. And you've made that whole process the kind of thing that we get to join in on with you. So Lord, would you help us to not miss out on what you're doing? Would you help us, Lord, to be ministers to your own heart, to call attention to you in hopes that our neighbors, that our kids, and that our grandkids would see you in all of your beauty and glory, and that they would love you, and that they would follow you, and that they would be yours, that they would be your people, Lord. Would you do that in us, we pray, starting right now. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.